0: You texted me frantically over Christmas break here, Andy. Uh, and we're doing this emergency podcast via Zoom because you were frantically texting me this and you were like, you have to watch Soul and we <laughs> have to talk about it. So I'm really excited to, uh, I think I know where you're going with it, but I, I'm really excited to hear uh, why you were frantically texting me at four in the morning about watching Soul. It actually wasn't four in the morning. It was like 8 p.m. It was a very reasonable time, but you were excited.
1: So on Christmas day, we, we did watch Wonder Woman and, um, you know, this podcast will not be about Wonder Woman. It did not meet podcast quality of uh, emergency podcast quality. But my daughter, who's 13, and is pretty much the only one in our house who watches Disney Plus, and and to give her great credit, it's because she watches a ton of The Simpsons. She's almost watched all 30 seasons of The Simpsons. Oh on Disney Plus.
0: man, how proud are you? Way to go, Dad! I'm
1: so I am so proud. I'm absolutely so proud. Uh, so. <laughs> But uh, so she wanted to watch Soul, and she she, she used the Disney Plus viewer in a, in our house. And then I got a, a tweet from someone, on I think for Christmas Day that was like Soul really reminds me of your of your work and some of of your newer work. So I was like, oh, wow, all the more reasons t- to watch it. And then the crazy thing is, I'm at a conference right now. Um, and yes, this is early two thousand twenty one, but yeah, I'm at a social distance conference. And the guy who made that tweet is at this conference. So we we talked about soul a little bit and it was, it was, it was pretty funny, but yeah, I mean, I, I find the, the, the Pixar movie really quite profound in, in what it's getting at. And I think there's a, a bunch of themes on it that uh, I'll definitely use as in using class and presentations. Um, but I think it's getting at a lot of what's been a theme in this podcast, which is uh, particularly thinking about uh, Rosa and um, what resonance is and uh, and, and things like that. So it, I think it's definitely a podcast, emergency podcast worthy. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, um, and, and also maybe we should put out a spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Soul yet, I'm guessing we're going to basically spoil all the plot points. So... I would say definitely don't listen and go watch that movie first. But come back after you've watched it. When I was watching it, I actually <laughs> I was gonna make
1: a I was gonna make a sixth sense reference and you know, like spoil it by like, he's dead all along. But actually that works for this movie. He it is totally
0: does. It totally he's does. I had a
1: dead all the way along. So yeah, there you go. But I, I
0: think I, I you know, and you told me to watch this and and knowing your work, I can absolutely see where that's coming from because this basically is a movie about the importance of people and relationships and resonance over the things that we think are so important. And you always talk about in your works, the thing. And that's, am I, am I on where you're going with this?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting kind of perspective throughout the whole movie. Cause I mean, first of all, you have this guy um, named Joseph um, who is a school teacher actually in um, like a music school teacher, but his thing, like what, is they often go back to, which is like this positive psychology kind of perspective It is his spark, like the spark that gives life some kind of electricity. He, he, you know, like, like you said, in my, particularly in my book, The End of Youth Ministry, I call this the thing, like parents wanting their kid to find their thing, find their spark, that, that's supposed to deliver some kind of sense of meaning and significance. And that that is really true for him, but there's also a, a deep problematic around his, him finding his spark and being kind of obsessed with his spark of playing music, the problematic is that he hasn't really gotten to the level he thinks he needs to to make that spark more than a spark but to become kind of a fire that lights his life with meaning. You know what I mean? And so he, he's stuck in this job of teaching disinterested, I don't know, what do they look like animated, like middle Middle school kids, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's stuck in this kind of middle school job And he finally then, through a a student, which is kind of interesting too, like a former student who he turned on to music, calls him and asks him to play with this very famous, uh, at least in the kind of jazz scene, very famous musician in New York City. And so he goes to audition, and it goes really, really well. And then, remember, this is an animated movie, and and then he's on his way back. He's he's been told to come back that night, that he's gonna he's gonna play with her, which is this is his big break. Like this is going to turn the spark into a blazing fire of meaning and significance in his life. And then he dies. He falls down uh, an open manhole. A manhole covers off. He falls down, and he's dead. So then we have the next scene is him like. I, guess, I don't know what you'd call it, kind of like a ghost, right? Like, at least, like, kind of Casper the Friendly Ghost kind of style ghost. And he's headed into the great beyond.
0: Well, that's what's so and- interesting to me about this movie, and I kind of like that. It, it didn't go into, like, ghosts. They were almost, like, quantum beings or something weird. Like, that's it totally true. went, like, metaphysical. I thought that was pretty deep for a kid's movie. But uh, he was about to become one with the universe, in that big glowing light, and then he decided that's kind of like a bug
1: zapper, you know, kind right, of right. Yeah. Zap, in some ways, it zaps your consciousness, which he finds kind of frightening. Which, to be honest, from a kind of metaphysical eschatological perspective, from you know the way I interpret the Christian story, is kind of frightening. You know what yes. I mean? Like the, the the kind of loss of your the it's personhood. the ego, the
0: ultimate death of the ego, and uh, going back to being one with the universe, and right, uh, yeah, right, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Which maybe I think you know, there's been people through the Christian tradition have, who have referenced things somewhat like that. I guess you could kind of read Eckhart and a little bit of detachment is to kind of fall into being, you know, being itself, which is actually, you know,
0: all I know um, is that was pretty uh, heavy for my five-year-old. That's all I got to say about that. But,
1: it, it, you know. it, it's yeah, it, it, definitely pretty heavy for, for anyone, obviously, but, um, but you know, so I, I'm not hugely sold on the, the, um, you know, the duality of soul body kind of perspective that they, they put within this, but that would be like philosophical nitpicking, I think in, in some ways, because it serves a, a larger purpose, which now of course he wants to get back to his life because this was going to be the moment. And he, um, he finds his way, I guess, you know, he kind of slides through these dimensions. And you're right. Like all of the eternal beings are actually, um, I don't know, like the, the personalization of time the time space continuum or something or the or the or the quantum re- reality or something and anyhow he ends up not um after the end of life but before it in other words like the souls who have yet not yet taken on their humanity so you know the the dualism the pseudo-gnosticism of the heavenly realm i'm not really sold on but what happens next is really quite beautiful and And the movie, actually, more than kind of this dualistic sense of, like, um, escaping the tomb of the body in in some kind of overly fraught kind of Hellenistic perspective or something, there is this um, deep affirmation of life and the embodied, which is really quite fascinating. (laughs) ¶¶ So his only, so he is now, you know, like the the the, the movement of, of the story is that he wants to get back in his body, which actually is not that far off from a huge issue for us late modern people, you know, like there's there's like this the sense of we I think the late modern um, potential problematic is that things go so fast, our lives are accelerating so much that we're never actually where our bodies are in some sense, like we're always kind of pushed into the future, in 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 a, in a kind of an adult. Analogical way, this movie's kind of making that point is that we're always kind of disconnected from our bodies, as we keep chasing this thing that's out before us, this dream that's out before us that will take our spark and light in, and make it a, a great fire to give give our lives meaning. So his only, so that becomes his strategy is to like get back in his body, which is not a bad strategy for any kind of late modern person to try to get back into your body, um, but he wants to get back in his body so he can finally live his dream. And he then the only way to do that is to become a mentor, and then he becomes a mentor to 22, um, who is I guess you know this is where it gets a little fuzzy, but 22 is like the 22nd soul ever forged in this quantum reality. Yeah, so that's
0: the big joke, is because like yeah. the soul right before her. Was like 152 trillion something. Like they did the math. I read this after the fact. They actually calculated like the theory of how many humans have actually ever existed in he- history, and then they gave that soul that number. So 22 is like primordial, right? Like this right, is one right, of the right. very, very first souls ever created. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like one of the first true Homo sapiens, sapiens. Like that. Like that. You know that. And she refuses, but she refuses to go. Like she doesn't see any purpose in living at all, which is another really different or maybe very interesting way to deal with the kind of conundrums of late modern life too, is one of the ways is to kind of speed up to such an, a point that you try to consume and have everything in life, you know, um, that you get disconnected from your, your body. But another kind of way is just to kind of give into, to fate and choose not to live in an odd way. It becomes a certain way of living is not living at, at all. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and, and to have a certain uh, kind of um, smarter than thou kind of perspective um, in that and 22 she kind of she kind of has that I, I don't know if we even can call her a she but it's a it um, uh, whoever yeah like Tina Fey 20, is the voice of her so yeah yeah, yeah I guess that's why, why I say that, uh, Tina Faye is, is is the person who's the voice behind her but so he has to mentor her into Human existence, and she's not going for it. But she can take him into some interesting places, which is like this nether world, which I found really fascinating because this nether world um, becomes is the place of the zone, basically. You know, so if you are playing a musical instrument, or you know, in some social theorists have called it the flow, and they mention that too. Um, so it's a very deeply kind of um, social, philosophically informed film. I mean, it's really quite remarkable. <laughs>
0: The other device that I loved in this movie were the badges. So, yeah. And this is where I got fuzzy for me. My understanding was you kind of had to fill up your badges if you're a soul before you could become a person. Right. Right. And so you go through the whole movie just thinking that these badges are things that you do in your life. So there's this hall of everything, which is just full of hobbies. Like there's music and sports and I think archery and just like, it's the hall of everything. And so the idea is you find your passions, those things in life that get you fired up and then it fills your badges. And once you get them all, you can become a person. And then when 22 fills her, badges or or joe does uh basically there's that like joe's like oh you found it it's your thing and then she's like no dummy like it's the it was you the whole time that it was giving me the life and then you go back through the course of the movie and it's that conversation that she has with one of joe's students and it's the conversation she had in the barber shop and the conversation she had with joe's mom and those were the things that made her alive it wasn't the things that you fill it up with on your on your badge you know card or whatever right
1: yeah, they do this amazing thing of kind of critiquing the spark perspective while never, while never like uh, deconstructing or obliterating the reality that there's kind of purpose and finding something that 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 sings for you something that kind of you know some kind of task or some kind of activity or some kind of practice that that infuses life to you they also make it really clear that that i mean what's really profound about the movie is that can be too self-centered and that really and i think rose is getting at this too and i you know i want to connect this to kind of church life and ministry that, you know, we've had multiple decades um, of thinking that good churches are purpose-driven churches, and, like, you have to find your purpose, and that your congregation has to find its spark. I mean, especially in this competitive environment, you've you've really got to find your spark, and if, if that spark is the youth ministry, then that will do it, or the spark is a great preaching, or whatever, but you really get it, particularly have to use kind of business models to get to a purpose clearly define that purpose with a mission statement and then and then badge it out you know what i mean like these are the five things we do and this is what we do and, and we're going to be excellent at these things and we're going to have a staff that does these things
0: then you and put yeah. them in your mission statement and put it on your yeah. website and yeah right
1: yeah, and then and then you can make all sorts of program decisions around your 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 badges of excellence. You know, like what gives what gives spark. And then you're being. I mean, it's it's somewhat of a marketing thing too. Is like you're really upfront with people. Like this is what this church provides. And if if you're that purpose that kind of person, you know that that helps. So that this kind of purpose driven perspective can really help. Can really, I guess, it kind of centers attention and centers action. But it also has the risk, what this movie points out to, of Driving, driving people, even in the passion for their purpose, to, dis, to become disconnected. Like just because you find purpose does not mean that you're fundamentally going to be connected to something other than you and bigger than you. And so this is what we find, like what Joe learns from 22, as much as 22 learns things from Joe – one of the things that Joe learns, particularly this, if someone's just popping in on this podcast, they're going to think we're on drugs, but particularly when he's a cat, he really learns this, is that um, in that barbershop scene where he, he he has a conversation with this guy, or 22 does as Joe, and this guy actually articulates his own life story a little bit. Like, But there's this guy, and he's... He, that cuts his, Joe's hair that he, he it seems like he's known forever, who he just assumes like his thing, his spark that gives him life and purpose is cutting hair. And then he tells his life story he's like, well, no, I I wanted to be a veterinarian, but you know, life happened, you know, and I needed to, to do something else. But this has been meaningful too. And it, it becomes really clear that what what's given this guy's meaning is his responsibility to other people, that his his connection to, to other people and he even says to Joe, like, Joe, it was really great to, to talk to you like this. I mean, I almost never talked to you like this. I mean, you're just always talking about music. So, you know, when we think about this in congregational life, like, there's this kind of sense where the problem with the purpose-driven thing and thinking of your of your badge is that it can become so all-enveloping that it drives you in almost an individualistic framework that cuts you off from others and can almost envelop people's otherness. You know what I mean? Like you become Joe becomes disinterested. Like he is so passionately about his spark of being this, you know, famous musician or whatever or making it as a musician that he can't hear anyone else's story and he can't really connect to it. And when he kind of becomes dip- displaced from it a little bit and it follows twenty two who becomes kind of his his sage, mystic sage here, he can see things differently and and she recognizes in her own way that what what really drives meaning into life is not just your ability to chase a purpose or to chase something ahead of you and your purpose is to chase that thing. That what she really comes to realize is it's the connections actually themselves that are are, are so deeply important um and yet at the middle of the movie joe doesn't quite see that you know like even that experience he he doesn't quite see and um he doesn't realize it actually until he um he finds himself back in his own body and there's this really powerful scene where he goes and he you know a classic you know three arc movie kind of point where he's you know he's back in the netherworld to get not the Netherworld, but the the before world, and he finds himself back in his body through you know, whatever through through moves, and he ends up back there, and he gets to play. He gets to he gets to play this show, and it goes better than he could have ever expected I mean, it was he's just it, it's it's a home run. He he's made it. This is what he's been waiting for. This is why he fought to live was to make it here. And, his, and there's this beautiful scene like right before that, even before they end up in the netherworld with his with his mother, you know, where um, he has this moment with his mom of actually really sharing the importance of this and, and why he loves music so much. And it's a little bit of a reconciliation moment, but she's also a realist. and But he ends up playing this show and then he sees her, she's at the show and he sees her into the cab. And then this the famous uh, jazz music, uh, saxophonist comes out and... Uh, he says, "Well, now what? You know?" He says to her, "Like now, now that I've done it, now that I've made it, now what?" And she's like, "Yeah, come back tomorrow night." <laughs> and He's like, "Oh," uh, and she says something like, "Before that, like, this was a great show, and you can play a hundred shows and you get one of these, you know." And um, and then he's like, "So now what? Well, show back up and keep playing." And he's like, "Oh," and, and like a kind of sullenness comes over him, and he's like, "Well, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for this, and I just thought it would feel..." different and she has this really profound line where she says you know and she kind of goes uh with this little parable and she's like you know there's two fish and they're swimming and the younger fish comes up to the older fish and says i'm looking for the ocean and the older fish says you're in it and he says this is the uh, this is this is he says this is water not the ocean and then she like leaves and, and there's just a profound line for that like joe has been waiting driving moving trying to move into the future to find life to actually get into life to just start living and all along he's been living all along he's had the invitation to actually deeply live and be connected to the source of what gives us meaning in life which are these deep kind of forms of connection these deep kind of forms of of participation in in, in personhood and in in a, a, a living a living world and and um, and that becomes that becomes a moment in many ways. And I do think that like this is just a kind of late modern conundrum. And in some ways, in a world where you know a kind of transcendent referent is um, dissolves in some ways, and meaning becomes harder. And we kind of live at la Taylor in the, this kind of malaise of meaning or meaninglessness, that uh, one of the ways you hold on to meaning is that you become really, self-referentially committed to your purpose, your spark, and you just keep going for it. You just keep living for that dream state. I and mean, we've kind of talked in this podcast about Rosa and this kind of sense of the dream state, or what at least I have called the kind of dream state, that the, the good life is always off into the future. And what's so profound about this movie is that the whole perspective is that what makes life good, what fuses life with life, is not finding your purpose. It's finding your connections. Um, and of course it gets even more profound than that because he realizes that and he realizes what gives his life really meaning is actually the the mentoring maybe or just the journeying with 22. And that he owes it to her because he's to get back into his own life he had to actually steal her life. Um, and so he realizes that he would, in this very almost, uh, well, in this very Christological way, in this very kind of canonic way, if you will, he gives up his life so that she can live. Um, and uh, of course, in the midst of that, he finds his life back. So 22 gets kicked out of of her, of, of Joe's body, you know, and, and there's a there's a rupture yeah. in their relationship. She ends up in the netherworld, and in the right. netherworld are these lost souls, which the are these kind of souls, monstrous yeah. creatures. Yeah. yeah, and so and she ends up herself a a lost soul. Remember the first lost soul that they see is like uh, he's doing something, and uh, the, one of the mystics is like, oh, that must be another hedge manager. And you go inside, and he's just like trade, 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 and they're able to free him. And he's at his desk, and he's like, "What? What am I doing? I, 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 what am I? What am I doing? I'm alive, people! I'm alive! You know, and like, there's this sense of how you become a lost soul because you lose your connections. And I think as pastors, you can become lost souls because when you're, it's just about the spark of your purpose. And this is like, get, hit the purpose, hit the purpose, be re- relevant that you lose this connection in your preaching and your just sense of the nobility and importance of ministry becomes kind of disconnected. And we see 22 become a loss also, but what's really fascinating, like the hedge fund manager kind of loses his humanity and the need to kind of make money and do these kind of route activities and not feel any connection, like money as a disembodied impersonal reality becomes more important than these connections. Um, but 22 becomes a lossful because she feels a rupture, she feels hurt. She feels a, a disconnection. I mean we could almost even say like a sinful act was made that separated a relationship. And as Joe goes inside like this swirling thing, it looks like a monster on the outside, but to the inside of the person who's in there, it's just like the swirling mess. and it's actually a swirling mess of narratives, of negative narratives. And like all these stories, she keeps telling herself and she needs a kind of repair of these narratives and these stories that give connection. So that's another really interesting piece of the film is that to feel connected, you need to be embodied. You need to be in relationship with other people. You need to recognize that the world is connected to you in some way. Um, But through all of that, you need a story that kind of holds you together. And one of the things that purpose, like your spark, can do is it can kind of give you a story. I get up in the morning so I can, because I love music, and that's who I am, and then I go for that. Um, but I think one of the things that the movie's pointing to, and as we can kind of think about it ministry, is that might not be the best way to lead a church. And it may actually lead to disconnecting you to being a lost soul, and it making it really hard for you to, to, to do the ministry of helping lost souls find connection. That really what makes life livable, like what makes life full of meaning is life. So how do we as churches and as communities actually invite people into life and into and through the encounter with Jesus Christ who is life and the, this, and the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of life, to quote Moltmann. You know, like life is the point. And this deep incarnational kind of athanasian sense of of what it means to live the Christian life is... To embrace life, to be alive, to recognize that embodied life is worth living—that it's it's such a Christian story, this this the, the tale because it isn't about getting outside of your body; it's about more deeply experiencing life within it. And that's and that's how the movie ends. Like he's willing to die for life, not just his own, but for life. And then he's given life back, which is, I think, the shape of discipleship itself. And the answer that the, one of the the, the mystical creatures uh, asked him is, well, what will you do with this life? And he actually says this, which is really profound. is that I don't know. The whole beginning of the movie, he was exactly what I'm going to try to make it. I'm going to try to make it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this every day. I'm going I'm I'm to grind and grind and grind to become become this. He says, I don't know. But I'm going to live every moment. I'm, I'm going to live every moment every moment. And I think that, in some ways, is the invitation of discipleship in leading a community, is to invite people to not know, to not know where God is leading them, but to know that the gift and promise of living, of living life and embracing life um, is before them. And that's what a pastor does, is to invite people into life, a community of life, And you don't like what we've been told for 30 years is you better know exactly what you're supposed to do every minute. And you better be taking your congregation on that. Maybe it's really faithful to have no idea what you're going to do in the next decade, what you're going to do in the next year. I mean, you should probably do some planning. So, you know, but you know, like what really should drive us is that we're going to, as a community of people, we're going to live and we're going to seek for the God who is life in the midst of this. And we're, going to find each other in our lost-soulness and and live as as a gift that God has given us as the the proclamation of a God who um, loved life so much that God died in life and um, overcame death with life and uh, loved life so much that uh, that made all of the created realm and the things in it um, beautiful
0: New Time Religion, featuring Dr. Andy Root, is produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard. Andy's brand new book, The Congregation in a Secular Age, is out now, and you can get it wherever fine books are sold or by just going to Amazon. New Time Religion is produced by the Alter Guild Podcasting Network, and you can check them out for more great shows. Thanks again so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another round of New Time Religion.